Welcome back to the Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Jo Lenehan, and I'm excited to be sharing this episode in partnership with one of my oldest work collaborators, Primark, or for those of you listening in Ireland, Pennies. I took a major turn in my career a few years ago when I realised the harmful impact fashion was having on our environment. I'm proud of the work Primark is doing to help initiate systemic change in the industry, and I'm delighted to help them spread the word on the plans that they have made to redefine what affordable, more sustainable products means to everyone over the next eight years and beyond. In 2020, the agriculture sector was responsible for 37.1% of national greenhouse gas emissions in Ireland. Globally, agriculture and agricultural practices consistently come under fire for their role in the climate crisis. But as one of the most impactful players in the emissions reductions race, isn't it time we worked with the sector to change rather than shame them into resistance? Enda Buckley certainly thinks so. As Director of Sustainability at Carberry Group, a leading dairy company based in West Cork, Enda believes communication and dispelling untruths about the industry are the real catalyst for change. He shares some exciting insights into the changes he's helping to oversee in the farming industry and offers a unique and hopeful take on the future of Ireland's largest industry. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and as always, every like, subscribe and share of this episode is so, so greatly appreciated. Over to my conversation with Enda Buckley. Enda, thank you so much for the time. I had the privilege of hearing you speak a couple of months ago through DCU and it was really one of those light bulb moments because as somebody who is studying this and looking into it a lot and being Irish, I think we've all become really used to agriculture becoming kind of the punching bag for where Ireland is in terms of its targets to become more carbon efficient. And really your talk was beyond eye-opening. So I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, before we get into your work at Carberry, can you tell me a little bit about your past career? Because you've had an amazing career and working in sustainability isn't something that you've just picked up yesterday. You've been you've been working in this field for quite a while. Yeah, Joseph. First off, listen, great, great to speak to you and um, delighted you, you enjoyed that, that talk. Um, yeah, I suppose I, I went to, to college initially in, in UI Galway. So I did a science degree there and I followed that up with a HDIP in, in microbiology. And um, I actually did some, funny enough, one of the first gigs I got actually was uh, a bit of a placement with Carberry back, back on, gone back, gosh, you know, 22 years ago, I think, at this stage. But so that that then actually my next job, believe it or not, because I was really struggling to get work uh, as, as people in micro world at that time. I did some work actually for Chorus, which were uh, kind of a satellite cable company. And that was very eye-opening for me because I suppose it was actually a sales role. It certainly helped me, I suppose, I think, deal with people, I would say, um, to this day, Joe. So then I worked for Indivar, Indivar Ireland, and they're, they're in the waste management space. I was there for about five years. It was towards the end of that. I, I was uh, very involved in a recycling division that they had developed, and we were collecting, for example, uh, newspapers, and we, we'd found a market for it in, in, in Europe. And I suppose whilst I was there, we had approached the National Newspapers of Ireland with some ideas for a, a national co- a news collection scheme. And I guess they came knocking my door because it correlated with that the government of the day were going to impose an eco-tax on newspapers. Uh, I think Dick Roach was the minister. And the newspaper industry, I guess, were kind of feeling a bit of heat. They were saying, look, we got to get our ship in order. You seem to have a good feel for the space. Would you like to work for us? And I did because it meant that I was able to actually work from home. And it's come back nearly 20 years ago now. So I, I'm based in West Cork and um, 
a progress Cork going in, I suppose, Joe. It enabled that. I was in Dublin as well every week with that, but it, it, I suppose the, the hybrid model actually was, was applicable to me back then. And uh, yeah, I spent, I guess, seven, eight great years with NNI. I suppose one of the really cool things we developed was it was effectively a reverse logistics scheme for newspapers. So people might recall uh, back in the day when you went to your shop, you'd see uh, you know a whole host of unsold newspapers in, in heaps. And back then, it, it was really kind of up to the news agents as to you know where their unsold newspaper went. Most of them had some kind of a service, but a lot of them ended up going for landfill. So what we set up was, like I said, was reverse logistics. So the wholesalers, they collected all the unsolds, they scanned all the unsolds, and all of those unsolds went back in for recycling. So that was quite transformative. It was also transformative in that, I guess, back then, you know, they had a good feel for, you know, what the, the level of supply would be for a shop. And they always had to have a certain kind of surplus in case there was a big story. So I guess with this system, they knew exactly what each shop was selling on a particular date. So that was really, really, really good for the, the publisher's perspective. And of course, the news agents were delighted because now, they weren't left dealing with this big bundle of newspapers. They knew in the morning that was going to be collected. So it had a big impact on the whole supply chain, I suppose, Joe. And uh, that was called the Green Press Partnership. They would call it PRI, I suppose, a producer responsibility initiative for the industry. So yeah, spent about to seven, eight years there. Then did my master's. Whilst I was there, actually, I did a master's, the same, the same master's as yourself at TCU in sustainable development. So I found that really, really enjoyed that. Uh, once I completed that, I kind of started my own consultancy, Sustainable Solutions. I also did some work for the Irish Environmental Network. So I was their Sustainable Transport Officer for a number of years, uh, working with an agency in Europe as well called Transport and Environment. A year or so into it, I, I started doing some work for Carberry because uh, they're, they're in West Cork as well. And that's kind of, I guess, I'm there now six years nearly, six, seven years. Within six months, I was doing kind of three, four days a week at Carberry. Within a year, I was there effectively full time. So... That's kind of, I suppose, where, where, it's, where it's gone, Joe. And I love how you, when you're talking about the newspaper, I mean, that is something I would never have thought about. But that, like, what you applied there was like what we're all trying to do now, which is complete circularity and having a full life cycle and having accountability from producers. Throughout, like, all of that journey, and especially doing the Masters and everything in the middle, how did you find attitudes were to sustainability like back when you started and now where you are now I mean you were talking there about an eco-tax that that minister was trying to bring in so like has there always been people who are really invested in this and that it's just maybe gathered a bit more momentum and a bit more publicity yeah it's a great question Joel and I think you know to your point yeah I think there has been always a group of people that that have had an interest and I think you know for me like sustainability you know people use very fancy words those words but it's common sense like and I think to a lot of people it's, it's quite innate you know it, it feels right to do this I, I just find some of the language sometimes can be quite ostracizing and I think um, you know some people like to use fancy language I, I, I personally think it's it's not the, the way to go but you know back, back certainly 15-20 years ago Joe it was very niche it was very kind of nice to have and it was like you know you, you hear the term CSR was kind of in that space you know we're we're, we're, we're good corporate citizens Whereas now, thankfully, it's it's must have, and you know certainly any any big company worth their salt, you know, if, if they don't have a sustainability policy at this stage, they're they're going to be left behind big time because it's it's demanded by the consumer, which is which is great, and you know the future of the planet at stake here, so it's it's only right. But yeah, I think it's gone from what I would say from a a nice to have. To, to must have and then in terms of like the work that you've done as well am I right in saying that it's all been private companies 
as opposed to like any public work I wonder I would definitely think it has to be driven by the the private sector and I mean the, it's the private sector who are hiring people like you to really drive things forward would you agree yeah no I would and again I suppose that that consumer demand piece as well Joe I think that's very powerful and certainly I've seen that in, in, in Carberry a lot of the stuff now which we would have been doing a while you know you can see now the questionnaires that are coming in they really are being consumer driven and we'll see more of that I've no doubt I, I think it's kind of gone full circle but I, I agree yeah I think private sector really has to to push this and of course in fairness there's some really 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 good work happening across the, the public sector I mean there's, there's some brilliant examples but yeah I, I agree if we, if we want to really I suppose push the dial on this the private sector has to really embrace it and really push it it's so exciting to hear that consumers are that activated and empowered that they're getting in touch like i think that is one of the the best things that's come out of the last years is that everyday people like you say feeling really passionate about it and i definitely agree with you i think it comes back to just feeling like it's the right thing to do you know seeing waste nobody wants waste it definitely doesn't feel feel right so that's really exciting to hear okay so on to your work with carberry like i said at the start agriculture definitely has a really bad reputation and it seems just to be the go-to when like when anyone talks about sustainability it's like oh well we're never going to achieve that with farming and with dairy production and everything so you're in the thick of it there can you tell us first of all what your opinion is on those kind of narratives around it yeah no and and you're spot on joe you're you're dead right i mean my own opinion is and of course, look, I'm, I'm a bit biased. Of course, I work in the space and I, and I should say I'm a farmer's son and um, my, my brother is, is farming as well. I think a lot of it comes from, this is my own viewpoint, perhaps a lack of engagement between the sector and maybe the NGOs. Because if you look at where most of the issues are and concerns are, they come from the NGOs. And I, I, I worked in that space myself and I know some really good people in there. And I think a lot of it was down to maybe lack of engagement. Now, I guess there's some people in there as well, I think, with very, very strong views, and I think they're unfounded, quite frankly. And I suppose my own feeling for it is, and we might touch on Farm Zero C in a second as well, but I think it's it's actually incumbent on the sector to bring these people on farms, show them what's actually happening, because I think when they see what's on the ground, I think they'll be heartened. Not everything is perfect, but certainly, Joe, you compare the Irish farm system to anywhere globally, it genuinely is in the top percentile. I mean, we are producing some of the best dairy, I would say, anywhere. New Zealand and Ireland, I think, are at the top. That's my own viewpoint. Uh, and the same applies to other, other agricultural sectors as well. So I think that needs to be said. And a lot of good things have happened. Now, there's a long way to go. And of course, there's a massive challenge in terms of decarbonizing the sector. And for me, this is where, you know, I was thinking earlier when we were talking as well about the, the NNI piece and, you know, how that reverse logistics system came up. Actually, what was critical to that, Joe, was, was communication and, and members sitting down. Because if I go back to that period, the news agents certainly weren't happy with the publishers and vice versa. There was a lot of division. In some cases, they weren't talking at all, right? And what actually brought it together was those, we, we had a series of negotiations and bilaterals. And I think the same thing needs to happen here between the NGOs, the ag, I suppose, the ag actors, because I think they'll find actually when they sit down, they have an awful lot in common. And I think they'll find that, you know, farmers really are in it for the right reasons as well. It's it's a tough game as well, Joe. I mean, farming is not an easy life and they're actually coming out to a really busy period. And it's genuine. Some farmers would be, you know, working 18, 20 hour days. You know, they could have four or five cows calving. Some guys actually would have a lot more because they have quite synchronized patterns. They're in for a tough spring now and it's not an easy livelihood. But I suppose my point is they're, they're, they're doing it for the right reasons, I think. I might just touch on Farm Zero C, Joe, if that's okay. Would I, would I bring yeah. that up? 
Yeah, please yeah. do. So I suppose Farm Zero C, it's, it's happening at a farm that's owned by the West Cork Co-ops. It's, it's in Chinook. So about three years ago now, we were thinking of, I suppose, looking forward and what could we do that would really drive the, the dial on this. And we came up with the concept of a, back then it was a carbon neutral dairy farm. Chinook, like I mentioned, is owned by the West Cork Co-ops. We said, look, this is a good place to do this because typically it's a demonstrator farm. So in a normal year, hundreds of farmers would walk through this farm and see kind of the latest trends and the latest activities that are, they've done a brilliant job on efficiency and, and really efficient farming in Chinook over the last 10 years. The, the West Cork Co-ops would have acquired it back in, in 2011. And I suppose that was always the focus, efficiency, low inputs, and kind of maximizing the output, I suppose, from the farm. So that was the ambition. And we, we got talking to people like Kevin O'Connor. He's the director of the National Bioeconomy Center, Biorbic. And within a week, we approached a number of actors and every one of them said, yes, we want to be part of this. So put together a project team. It coincided with Science Foundation Ireland had a call for a zero emissions challenge. So they were looking for projects right across the spectrum that could, you know, have a big impact on decarbonizing, uh, I suppose, Ireland. So we made a submission. We went through a series of rounds. We eventually got to the seed phase where the final six projects got to. So we got 200,000 euros, which was, was very, very helpful. And I suppose earlier, um, back in, I think it was probably May of last year, at this stage, Joe, we got word that we actually won the SFI Zero Emissions Challenge, which was massive for us. Because like I said, you're, you're dealing with all the sectors. It wasn't just agriculture or food. It was, you know, across the spectrum. So that was massive, and that was two million euros in prize funding. And of course, we, we now have uh, we have seven postdocs. We have five of those employed already. We have a project manager. We have a farm research technician working in the farm, all aimed at driving that zero emissions. And I suppose we moved we moved on now as well from a, a zero carbon ambition to a climate neutral ambition for the farm. So it's it's bigger than carbon. It's now encompassing things like biodiversity, which is a central pillar of the project, welfare. All, all these other elements, air quality, which are very, very important. So it's our ambition now is by 2027 that the farm will be climate neutral, which is, I suppose I should have said as well, it's very challenging because in Chinook, you've got 250 cows, which is a big herd uh, on a 250 acre platform. And, and this challenge will be a lot easier realised, I suppose, on a smaller farm, on a, on a smaller scale. So what we're saying, look, this is real life. And again, we're, we're very conscious of our farmer suppliers that, you know, when they go to Chinook and they'll see, you know, what's happening there, we'd be hoping as well. They'll see, okay, yeah, that's working here. I want to use that in my operation. And, you know, we're, we're confident that it will have a big impact on decarbonizing. I wouldn't say just even West Cork, I think, further afield as well. We've got lots of interest. We've been inundated, actually, with requests to see the farm. I guess the reason I brought this up initially, Joe, was I think we'd certainly be reaching out to the NGOs as well to bring them down and show what's happening. I have some of those discussions I, I mentioned at the top. What an incredible project. Like, I, I didn't think it was possible. And I remember when you spoke about it during the lecture, I just thought, like, what an ambitious, positive, inspiring thing to be doing. So I don't know if you can get into the ins and outs, but maybe could you give us, like, an example of, like, where do you even begin with trying to neutralise something when, as you say, you've got livestock, you've got a farm biodiversity, you've got machine, you've got everything down there. Where did you even begin? So you're right. Seeing is believing, I guess. And by the way, an invite to yourself. So whenever you're down in West Cork, we'd we'd oh, love to show it to you. Yeah. Do you know what? You know what? We'd, we'd love to show it to you. If I was to summarize, right, there's kind of three major buckets that will have the biggest impact here. One is the whole animal feeding and, and methane. So approximately, right, roughly speaking, half of the farm's emissions will come from methane, from, from cows burping. People think it's actually out the other end. It's not. It's actually cows 
burping, believe it or not. So that's just the, to the process of rumination. The cow ingests grass, they have four stomachs. Byproduct of that is methane. It's very natural, right? It does obviously add to the, the, the methane count. So I suppose we're looking at feed additives, for example, that have been proven to reduce methane. There's a, a species of seaweed called Asparagopsis, been proven to do this in, in the Southern Hemisphere, a product called Trinop. There's a product called Zelp. It's basically a mask that goes over the cow. They've been very successful. We're hoping to maybe do a trial with this in 2023. There are just some examples, right? There's, there's a host of others. But the, the methane piece is very, very important. Another one then is the whole area of, of nitrogen use efficiency. Big ones there will be fertilizers, for example. So we're now using, so typically farm farmer would use urea or a product called CAN, which is calcium ammonium nitrate. We're now using protected urea. So this basically releases a lot less nitrous oxide to the atmosphere, which is a potent greenhouse gas. We're using things like multi-species sports. This is quite exciting, actually. So traveling to the countryside, you'd normally see fields of green grass, right? It's, it's typically monoculture, right? It's just one species of grass. With multi-species, you're looking at, in our case, we've, we've got six different species. So you've got your red and white clover, plantain. These are herbs, chicory and, and rye grass as well. So you might be asking, what's the benefit of these? Particularly clovers, they fix nitrogen naturally from the atmosphere. So they don't need fertilizer. The major end result, Joe, is you're looking at 60, 70% less fertilizer needed to grow this, which is fantastic, right? Now, there's a management challenge here as well. It's not all, like if you're a farmer, you're looking at this, that sounds great, but these are trickier to grow and manage. So it's kind of step by step. We now have roughly 15 acres in in Chinook of multi-species and they're going well. I should give the guys a mention here, actually, Kevin Ahern is the farm manager. Gus O'Brien is the estate manager and Gavin and, and Emma are the new project team there. Gavin is the project manager and Emma Sherlock is the, the farm research technician. We're looking at things like charcoal and biochar that will actually add to the organic carbon in the soil. The farm had done really good work on this even prior to the project. You know, it was a very efficient farm, which helps. And the third bucket then, I suppose, is around kind of sequestration. Soils and especially permanent grass pastures, they actually sequester CO2 from the atmosphere. Now, it's not really accounted for in the inventories just now, but we, our plan is to prove that. It's, it's well proven. This is a scientific fact. It happens. But as well, what isn't clear is, you know, the level of sequestration. So we've done extensive soil analysis um, at the farm over the last 18 months. We will do a lot more to actually prove the sequestration on the farm. And our plan is to get that verified as well, that we can actually use in terms of displacing the overall farm's emissions. So they would be the big, I suppose, the big elements really, Joe. They're fascinating. I could actually probably have a conversation with you about any one of those elements, but they just sound so exciting. Great to hear that people want to see the farm. As you said, they're going to see some of the techniques and think that they can apply them. And we have to, we have to acknowledge that farmers are innovative. They want to change. As you said, it's a really difficult job. So I don't think any farmer wants to make their life more difficult. You know, they're in it to take care of the land. They're the ones who look after it. So anything that's going to make that easier or better for them, I'm sure they're really on board with, which which is really exciting. Do you talk a lot with the farmers? Like you were saying, there's so much is about communication. Do you meet with them and talk to them about, about the challenges they're facing and, and how they feel about all the vitriol? Yeah, no, we do. And I suppose our kind of structure is a bit different. So we're, we're owned by the Four West Car Co-ops and they would have the direct engagement Joe with the, the farmers but again we would have for example the, the carbon greener dairy program which is 60 plus farmers and we would you know talk to them quite a lot and again to the nature of the work of course we do and we we, we have to and if our own decisions we have to bounce ideas off them and yeah it does hurt them you know and they, they are quite upset when they 
because that they're looking at their operations saying, what am I doing wrong here? I'm producing this fabulous product, yet I'm getting all this, you know, negative commentary. And it, it there's no point in saying it, Joe. It does upset them. And um, it can be quite, I was I would say, demotivating. But I think what, you know, what you do see, though, is when they do start to engage positively, I'll give you a good example, actually. Um, so through the Greener Dairy Program, which is, I suppose, again, it was quite novel. It was This is now in place nearly 10 years. So this was, again, all aimed at, I suppose, it was ahead of its time in terms of decarbonizing the farm's operations. So it started off at 12 farmers, then 18, 30, no, no, I guess it's 60. And we got the program recognized in UCC. So UCC have this diploma in environmental science, again, through a mechanism called RPL, which is retrospective prior learning. We were able to demonstrate that the farmers had done a lot of the learnings on farm through the Greener Dairy Program. They then went to college and did it the other half. Again, very, very empowering because some of these guys they would have left school early because a parent might have died. They had no choice, inherit the farm. So again, really empowering for them going back to do third level studies. And they all did really, really well. I mean, the college would say that like some of the best students they saw were, were through this course. But true, what was really, really good was, again, they were meeting people, you know, with strong views, that strong, you know, maybe initially kind of anti-ag views. And when they started engaging with the guys and the guys started explaining their own operations, there was a change of heart and I, I was told of one particular story where there was a, a really good robust discussion between uh, two vegan uh, students who again had their own kind of preconceptions around what was happening but it was all based on what was happening in another country certainly wasn't the Irish system and they went away with a very different perception of what was happening in the Irish system and again there was an invite to the farm and I, I'm not sure if that was ever taken up but I was my point is Joy I think again the heart of this is communication, sitting down, having respectful debates with people and bringing people along. I think that's critical to all this. Hopefully anyone who's listened to this who maybe has had their uh, misconceptions about what's going on will, will look you up and follow you and check out the farm. And uh, thank you so much for the time. I, as I say, I think we could do another, we could probably do a series on all the different things you're doing, but congratulations on the amazing work you're doing and for helping to change the narrative around industry you're most welcome joe and yeah that invite to farm zero c that that's wide open for you